Hello and welcome to the Fundamentals Podcast. I'm your host, Harley. Joining me today to talk about the art of teaching is honorary fourth member of the Skip to the End podcast and co-host of the Sense in Numbers podcast, Ben Slaughter, otherwise known as Benny. When I spoke to Benny about what topic to go for, we had a few different ideas and he threw out teaching as it's, it's his job and it's something that he's very passionate about. And I thought, what a brilliant idea. It's always nice to get a topic where it's something that somebody does for a living and particularly one that can have such a positive impact on people's lives if done correctly. And Benny shares his journey into that career, why he stuck with it, the current conditions that he's working under, which I think need to be addressed and so much more. It's a really fascinating conversation and I cannot wait for you guys to hear it. So without further ado, let's get to that conversation. This is Teaching with Ben Slaughter. Hello, Benny, and welcome to the Fundamentals podcast. Hello, Harley. Thank you very much for having me on. Oh, it is my pleasure. So for anyone who doesn't know you're kind of i like to think of you as like the honorary beetle of the end <laughs> podcast like you popped up a few times um and we, we've been talking back and forth a little bit on different subjects and one you threw out to me that i thought was absolutely fascinating and i'd love to chat about is teaching yes indeed so it's, it's quite a broad topic i thought to kick us off i'd love to know what drew you to teaching and when did you know that you wanted to pursue that then as, as a career? To be quite honest, the only other job I wanted to do was a marine biologist, um, and that was never going to happen. Oh, wow. Um, so and that was only because of my obsession with JAWS. But I always, ah. I always <laughs> felt that my one occupation that would suit me would be teaching from a very early age. Uh, that's because the impact and influence that teachers had on me. Because I, I wasn't a grade A pupil at senior school. I had my ups and downs, and aside from my parents who were incredibly supportive, the teachers that I had around me were just incredible. They, and I thought if you can have that impact on someone's life and that be your job, that's something I'd like to do. But I didn't get into it straight away. It took me quite a long time to get around to it, to be honest. Oh, right. Okay. So what was the journey like for you then? So I'm assuming you have to go through university or, or yeah. things like that. Well, I, um, I didn't start teaching until six years ago and I'm 38. So it's quite, it's quite late. Oh, wow. Um, but to be quite honest with you, when I left school, I had quite a poor attitude. I I didn't know, I didn't think that going to college straight away would be a good idea. So I skirted around that issue with my parents because they assumed that I should go to college. So I worked from 16 uh, full time up until I think I was 27 and something just kind of gave. And I thought, you know what, uh, I went to night school, did my A-levels and then I went to uni part-time and worked full-time which was just hideous and I would not recommend that to anyone <laughs> wow and then I uh yeah, did my PGCE when we because my, my wife's in the air force and we moved up to Lincolnshire um years ago and then I just completed my PGCE up here and it just felt the right time and it was it was something that I've never regretted 
the journey, the experience, any of it. Yeah, I mean, that, that is quite unusual, as you say, from what most people do. But I love that because I think that shows that it wasn't like a, a sort of snap decision or something you did at a young age and then you kind of end up regretting it years later, as is often the case with a lot of people I know who've done uni courses. Um, it's not always the case, but most people, I think, find that they get halfway through something and they think, ah, actually, I'm not enjoying this anymore. Um, so to do it when you're a little bit older, a little bit wiser, I think it's really sensible. So what sort of... <laughs> well, you could take that as whatever way you want. No, I'll take that as a compliment. It's very rare that people will uh, refer to me as sensible, so thank you very much. <laughs> you're very welcome. But, um, yeah, so you mentioned it, it came from a place of, I guess, almost like nostalgia, like you're looking back and thinking, well, I want to have that impact on someone else, which is brilliant, and I want to tap into that. So can you think of any teachers perhaps in your your childhood then that kind of made you think like that or any kind of standouts absolutely the we um we had a form tutor for five years of senior school called mr edwards and he was without doubt one of the most patient and understanding people i've ever met because i like i referred to earlier on i was <laughs> i was a pain in the backside at school simply because i could do things i just chose to take the path of most resistance uh, and he was very patient very understanding and he just, he kind of ignored the the part of me that liked getting into trouble and concentrated on the good part, you know, good aspects of my character. And I gave him a torrid time. <laughs> and I'm not proud of that, but I gave him such a torrid time. And it didn't help that he bore a, quite a striking resemblance to Vigo the Carpathian from Ghostbusters 2. Oh, wow. Painting. So we used to ch- chant Vigo at him all the time. And we just, we were terrible, but he was incredibly patient with me. And in the end, he kind of came... It all came to a head and he had a word with me, I sorted myself out and I came out with some decent GCSEs and I was, I'll never forget that. And there was another teacher called Mr. Dobson who, he was an English teacher and he, he's somebody who developed the, the, the kind of um, social interaction first and then developed the learning relationship afterwards. And he was so good at getting everyone on side and everyone to believe in what he was teaching purely based on developing those relationships and that's something that i uh, tried to do now so it was, it was a really important um experience being taught by those kind of people yeah it sounds it i mean so i i was always thinking i was thinking about today actually i would always think that patience is something you definitely need when it comes to being a teacher then but is that something you have naturally or is it taking a time to develop <laughs> i <laughs> I am quite possibly one of the most impatient people <laughs> that I know that any, and anyone knows. And I, I don't know, I don't know how I do it. Um, right. I, I think I believe in, and this is going to sound incredibly cheesy now, but I believe that what we do in the classroom is incredibly important and will impact further on down the line. So I have to remind myself almost on a minute to minute basis, <laughs> calm down it's not it's not important that they haven't done it right the first time uh, and, I, and i almost remind myself of what i was like at school but there are times when i um yeah i just have to shut down and it's not it's nothing to do with them but 30 voices at the same time it's yeah it's challenging yeah. the best of times but it's 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 good for me it's good yeah it sounds almost um like weirdly therapeutic oh it is like it's forcing you to develop these qualities but... it really is but that's awesome. And I, and I love what you said a minute ago. I don't think it's cheesy. I think that's that's such an important 
I guess, philosophy to have in teaching is to, yeah, like you said, think about the long term implications of your actions and your behavior. It's, yeah, it's so vital. So what ages are you teaching currently? Um, I currently teach year four, which is ages eight and nine. So like kind of the second year of primary, uh, they are, they're, they're a lot more aware and savvy than I was at eight at nine, like, sorry, eight and nine. Um, they're still, obviously they're still, they're still children and there's, there's, there's still things that they are unaware of. Um, but they are so, they're so sharp. They're, and I don't, I, that could be down to many things, um, exposure to, you know, uh, media and social media, et cetera, et cetera. But some of them are like years ahead of where i was or children that were my age back then right does that impact then how you teach them or how you sort of talk to them it 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 does and i think a lot of people would categorize my teaching style or behavior management as quite unorthodox because i'm not one of there's so many myths and beliefs about teaching that are incredibly flawed and one of them one of them is you shouldn't smile until Christmas. You shouldn't shut Yeah. And we were told this. Somebody told me this when I was training. And I'm not a, a naturally smiley person anyway. But when you're around children, like, uh, you know, constantly like we are in the profession, it's really hard not to smile because they are hilarious and they say things that are genuinely funny. And sometimes they do something that's really heartwarming, which just makes you smile anyway. Yeah. I remember this um, horrid, horrid specimen turn around to me and said don't smile until christmas don't show them who you are until christmas get them under control then you can be yourself and i thought that's so unhealthy that's so damaging should they be seen and not heard that's that's exactly (laughs) what i thought and that's when that's when i thought maybe this person who said that has been so long in the game and become so disillusioned with what they were doing but either way it's terrible advice it's so so misguided it's not, it's not, it's not, we should, there should never be an element of fear in the classroom. Obviously, discipline and authority, totally agree. But fear and suppressing happiness, that's, no, it's not something that I'm going for, to be honest. No, not at all. I mean, I could totally see that. I think that would, that would put you off if you're, you know, you're a young child, you're at school and, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to be in a classroom if, you know, I was scared of my teacher and I thought he was going to shout at me or frown at me or be, you know, just generally quite hostile. That's, that's very odd. What, are there any other kind of common myths and fallacies that are thrown around at you then? It's, uh, it might make me unpopular amongst my <laughs> colleagues, but I will happily admit that most of them are predicated on the the idea that you have to, uh, like, it's everything or nothing with teaching for some people. It either envelops you and it's your entire life. You sleep, breathe, obviously eat. And it's all about teaching and education. And that's absolutely fine for some people. If that's what you need to do, fill your boots. But you need you need to step away from that. You need, um, what's the word? You need an outlet. You need something that isn't education, something that isn't classroom related because you burn out. And there are lots of people who, teachers who are 15 years younger than me, uh, have been doing it for three years. And bless them, they're working 60, 70 hours a week. But it's it's the, it does, they can't maintain that. So they just get driven to the ground. So one of the myths I refuse to accept is the more hours you put in, the more dedicated you are. And I just think it's, it's something that you can gain from working elsewhere. If you don't work, you can work smart and not hard, which doesn't mean cutting corners. It just means that 
don't spend 60, 70 hours at work because at the end of the day, nobody's going to pat you on the back for it when you are off stressed or tired or, you know, you can't face the place anymore. And that's, that happens on a regular basis. But that, again, I think that's influence of um, maybe management or the pressure of, you know, what society expects of teachers, but it is, it's a, it's a load of tush, it really is. Yeah, it certainly sounds it. I mean, I'm just trying to get my head around that. I've, I've just being keeping your head in the game that often, I think, in any profession would be exhausting. I mean, especially as a teacher as well. Um, yeah, I, I can't imagine that's that's healthy for anybody. So what do you use then to kind of take your head out of it? Um, to be quite honest, there are obviously before when things were normal in the good old days, I uh, I used to play rugby, uh, which was fantastic um, because I suffer from manic depression as well. So I need constant stimulation. I need constant, uh, I need, I need my mind to be uh, working all the time. So I will try anything. I, I tried, I tried stand up at one point when I lived in Birmingham. Wow. That okay. was, uh, that was interesting. Um, <laughs> I tried to learn instruments. I read, love cooking. Um, and back, again, back when things were normal, I used to love just going to gigs. And, you know, I spent a lot of that time with Mark and Ben, who, you know, we used to get to download any gigs you could find. And it was such a nice um, release because neither Mark or, nor Ben are in that field, that professional sphere. So we don't, don't have to talk about classrooms, don't have to talk about education. And that was a real nice break, real nice break. But now it's just a case of um, just anything, really, anything to um, not only keep your love for the job alive, but not not to allow it to turn into an obsession because it's easily no. done. No, I suppose not. I mean, something I'm curious about. Um, so with with your current age range, do you go through different classes or are you sort of fairly like you've got a couple and that's kind of your core group or do you kind of cycle through quite a few different classes through the week well at the moment well we just have our we have the same 25 26 children uh and that we have them for the whole academic year um and they, normally you do stay in the year group if you're doing a good job um but yeah I've, I've, I've always taught year four so i'll have the same children for the entire academic year but at the moment I've not had uh, a class in this school that I'm working at for a full academic year yet, obviously because of you know, COVID and, you know, lockdowns, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not a long time. It sounds like a long time to spend with the same group of people for seven hours a day, but July soon enough rolls around and you do, you genuinely miss them. Even the ones that make you cry because they are, <laughs> they terrorize you. You miss them because you develop a bond with all of them. Yeah, no, of course. Actually, yeah, you just you've led me on to my next real question. So, yeah, it, I think it's the elephant in the room that we have to address. How how has this current year and the lockdowns that we're going in and out of all the times, how, how's that affected you and your role? Initially, it was, so this, well, 12 months ago, I think, was the first one, if I'm correct. Uh, it, did, it didn't really affect us that much. We were still in school and still getting things ready for, key worker group children vulnerable children and then we started developing our online teaching and it was fine because I was in school and there was lots to do this time around it's far more difficult to process because and I would try not to get too political about it but when you know that they know it's coming 
but they don't tell you. And nine o'clock the night before, they tell you you've got to provide all these um, extra lessons and provide online support. The government have no idea the pressure that puts under. Um, for me, it wasn't an issue, but for heads, heads of department, it, it was. It's been a real tough one this year. Uh, this sorry, this time because we've all we were expecting to do one thing and we would do another, and we're in school for a day after the Christmas holiday, which is just pointless. And it's and it's tough. More importantly, it's really tough for the children. Yeah, I was going to say so. So, um, have you been doing a lot of online lessons and, and things like that for them? Or- yeah, we've uh, we provide everything that we would have done in school. We provide online, but then we are the the, the area that we live in is quite it's, it's a strange setup. There are extremes of socioeconomic backgrounds. There's really wealthy children, and there are children in families from disadvantaged backgrounds. So some of them have access to tablets and laptops. Some of them don't. So we have quite a small uptake on online learning, and it's it's a shame because. I know the children, some of the children really like to learn. They love the routine. They like just communicating with their with their classmates. And this has put such a massive strain on their emotional well-being. And, and I don't, and this again will make me unpopular with parents and teachers alike, but ch- children can miss a year of education. There are refugees who arrive in this country have missed six years in education and still manage to, you know, graduate university. It's not the education that's the problem that they're missing out. It's the emotional development the support they get from being around children their own age it's, but they are so robust they're so flexible and they they are an example they really are and when when it gets to the adults all you have to do is look at the children how they're behaving it reminds you just how awesome they are yeah yeah you're right that's, that's such a lovely way of looking at it uh benny and, and yeah i i do agree with, with you what you're saying there is ultimately yeah kids will bounce back yeah if they have to they will you know um particularly at younger ages as you say they're so malleable and so quick to pick things up just like a little sponges really so if if that means they have to miss out for a little bit until everything's safe again i guess so be it but yeah the excuse me the emotional development is quite interesting so we've already sort of touched upon it really but i think personally i think that's a a role that a teacher plays that is i think it's either well overlooked so you know an example of your former co- of your colleague saying you know don't smile or it's we go so far in the other direction yeah. that people are too worried you know and there's a lot of fear around it so my question to you is how do you kind of balance that how do you see your role in a sort of child's emotional development when you're at school um <laughs> It's, it's a big question. It, no, it is, but it's, it's a it's a really good question, um, it, and I wish I had a better way of putting it. Apart from it, trial and error over six years, I have there have been times I've, treat, I've treated every child the same, and that might, that's a huge mistake. I've tried um, not not raising my voice uh, and not being authoritative, and it's taken me six years to realise you can do both, but it's about understanding each individual child. And I say this constantly, not just in regards to school, but it's not a one size fits all. What what, what works with one child would may not work with the next. And the one thing that's really helped is uh, doing a bit of extra reading and research about the development of children emotionally. Uh, now I'm incredibly lucky. I came from a household 
where both my parents were there. I had a, what I'd consider to be a healthy, um, normal upbringing. I'll say again, I shouldn't say normal, but you know what I mean? Like a, a standard, you know, uh, upbringing. Uh, yeah. No, no, no major issues or trauma for me. Yeah. So it's quite easy for me to get lost in that, that every child has had that when they really haven't. And some children go through more before they're five than most adults go through their, in their entire lives. That's true. But it's about, well, for me, if I could put it simply, it's just about listening to them. And even though, don't get me wrong, when they are three foot off the floor and they're talking to you about Minecraft or how how you, <laughs> one, of the, one of them is convinced that I'm his dad, which is not possible. Um, it's... <laughs> It's really hard to listen to them, but there are times when they say things and you think, right, okay, so I'll make sure I log that. I'll make sure I, you know, I remember that next time I'm talking to them. And it's just a process of getting to know them individually. And I'm definitely, definitely not any of their dads, any of them. Yeah, we should just put that as a disclaimer. Yeah, That's fine. yeah. I'll put that um, above the, the share notes when I sort of start the intro, if you like. Just, please do, please just do. Just to clarify, Benny is not any child's. <laughs> please do that would help me massively that's, that's fine <laughs> so i didn't think I, this would sort of take this road in fact, but okay fine. um no I, I love what you said there about getting to know them on an individual basis because that's so true um i mean I, we can all think of examples where yeah parent uh sorry teachers don't do that you know i, I can think of a few off the top of my head where um you know we've had family and stuff that have had learning difficulties or things like that. And, you know, I think every child learns differently anyway. Yeah. And we've had, you know, teachers that have just outright dismissed that before now that have been like, Oh, well, no, it's fine. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. And it's like, well, no, you know, this kid's struggling here. That's your responsibility to make sure that they keep up. And, and obviously that's not easy, especially when you've got up to 30 kids in a classroom. So, uh, how do you sort of stay on top of that then do you kind of make a point each year to spend a little bit of time with them one-on-one um yeah I, just to go back to the point you made about um it's difficult to so we call it differentiation you know when you give the work that matches the ability um but that's that's our job and there are loads of teachers that moan do you know what i'll tell you what, what we'll say our profession i think has the highest percentage of moaners <laughs> and it's and it's quite surprising because it's not it's not yeah. No, nobody gets into teaching then goes oh my god i didn't realize i'd have to mark all these books or <laughs> yeah it's, yeah yeah it's, it's, it's ridiculous um but yeah it's it's tough it's a tough task but you if you want them to be happy to come to school you have to make sure that they can access the work and sometimes that takes months and months of kind of digging away and asking them you know are you okay or can you see the board and then it, it all it, sometimes it can be uh putting a letter in there and place and you then go okay that makes sense or it can be absolutely anything but once you've understood what the obstacle is there are so many things you can do as a teacher to help that child and yeah it is it's a tough ask if you've got 30 children and 10 percent of them need this and 20 percent of them need something difficult and some and it's it is that's our job and if we, if, we, if we can't do that and make sure every child is catered for then we should probably look elsewhere <laughs> yeah no definitely definitely as as you say that's that's kind of your role i suppose is to keep an eye out for them uh in that regard so i just yeah i i love that you've again as you said at the start you've got into this because it's something you care about and you obviously have the right mindset and attitude to it so i guess to anyone out there who's listening and is thinking about going down this road 
what would you say are kind of like the key things they need to keep in mind in order to be successful at it? Just just from your sort of little, your experience doing this so far. Um, <laughs> from my experience, I would strongly, strongly suggest work experience first, not school experience or teaching experience, work experience, because you will never work in a place like a school. It's, it's insane. It is sometimes... It, I, I don't think I've gone through a day at a school without saying the phrase that's mental because that's, it just happens like, and it's not, it can be something really crazy or it can just be something like a change, a last minute decision. But yeah, I'd say, that, I'd say go and get um, work experience in a non-educated environment, build up your tolerance of things. And, and then I would, I'd read and I wouldn't read anything by educators I would read things by a child psychologist. I would read things of um, anything that can give you an idea of where to start. Because t- teaching is, is relatively straightforward. It's the it's the but the start of it is quite difficult. Like how do I get this person to understand? How do I get this person to behave? And there are so many things you can do before you start learning how to be a teacher to get to that point. Um, one of my very very good friends is a teacher in a secondary school. In the West Midlands, and he's constantly giving me books about how adults change in learning environments. And when I read those kind of things, it's almost like a head slapper. Oh, you know, I've been doing this and I should be doing that. But this, these things are not written by educators; they're written by sociologists, psychologists, um, and it's it's far more rewarding than just reading a book by a teacher that tells you how to teach because that's not. No one learns. No one learns that way being told something they'd learn by either doing or being shown how to do it so i would say just read as much get some work experience um don't watch bad education or teachers or <laughs> watch you're the one that's terrible um yeah just i don't don't go in pie-eyed thinking that it's going to be you know dead poet society <laughs> yeah i was gonna yes. say that's that's the go-to isn't it well yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean my go-to was uh coolio gangster's paradise i thought it was gonna be like that film that michelle Pfeiffer was in but wow that's a reference yeah, it really wasn't um yeah don't go into it pie eye because you'll get the shock of your life you really will um but yeah just just get some experience just and, and if you can try to um <sighs> try to go into an educational setting without being teacher trained first just maybe going as a ta or anything like that just just so you can see what it's like there because a lot of teachers don't see things from the point of view of TAs or site managers or dinner ladies and that's when a lot of the issues start. Wow that's so interesting that you've gone down that road and what I'm getting from you just as a broad picture here is the need to sort of take a step back from yourself and just be honest I guess in in analyzing your behavior and what you're doing. I think that's that's probably good advice just in life isn't it whatever your profession is really just to always keep an open mind and not get like tunnel vision i am i'm not used to people being this complimentary harley thank you very much (laughs) you call me sensible and honest um but i got here from making series of mistakes uh after mistakes and learning from them and it's not easy and i'd still do it now where i do things i think oh come on that's going to be hard to scrub but you learn from it If if you do it twice it's a habit you do it three times you're a moron <laughs> yeah that's yeah that's very true uh, as a saying i quite like what was it if uh 
Oh, that was it. Yeah. If enough people tell you that you're drunk, you should probably sit down. I quite like that expression. <laughs> yeah. I quite like that expression. It's like the most extreme end of it, but you're Absolutely. like, yeah, if enough people are telling you something, you should probably take it on board. <laughs> but anyway, I, um, I'm curious then. So from your point of view, what is the most like, rewarding aspect of this job? Um, day to day, uh, children coming in, coming in with a smile on their face. Um, overall, it's it's knowing that when I go home, actually, I tell you, overall, I'd say at the end of the term, when I think that I have helped as many of them as I possibly could, I've not neglected any of them, and they see me in September and they still greet me with a smile and a wave, that means they're still happy to be in school, and that's that's incredibly rewarding. At the moment, for me, it's um, de- uh, teaching EAL children, so the children that have got English as an additional language, I think it's more rewarding for them teaching me because they they are incredible, incredible examples of learners and children. We've got at the moment, I think about one in five children are bilingual in this country, but in the county that I live in, it's quite high. And some of the children, the bilingual children are just incredible. And when... So especially this year when I've gone in, some of them have given me cheat sheets. Like one of them gave me a Russian cheat sheet because his, his English wasn't great. My Russian, obviously, you know, it's not that good. Um, <laughs> he gave me a Russian to English cheat sheet. And my wife also um, helped me because she's really good at when I come home and I say things, she's very good at picking out the important parts, ignoring my crying and that. And she goes, <laughs> well, maybe it's because, uh, and when she does that, I do have a bit of a hissy fit. And then I take her advice on board. And she. this is one of the things that she pointed out was maybe it's a, a language issue. Oh, no, he's been in school for two years now. He, could, he should understand English. It's a bit naive of me, a bit ignorant. So I went in and he gave me this cheat sheet and I trusted him that it was nothing rude or you know, offensive. And it just built the relationship between us incredibly quickly. And he trusted me. Um, I started to greet him in Russian and understood why he was behaving the way he was. And that was, I wouldn't trade that for anything. That was incredible. But then, but then he still hasn't developed the right way to ask to go to the toilet. He just points and goes, we, oui, and then walks out of the room. I'm like, okay, we'll work on that. We'll work on that, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you'll get to that. You'll get to that. <laughs> that's, that's a beautiful story, man. I mean, that's, that's incredible. So is that something you do sort of separately then teaching English? No, that's, that's just something that uh, you in our, in our age range, you don't get a lot of opportunities to teach what I would consider to be basic English. It's the, okay. I hate to use the phrase, but it's stuff that they won't use again. And I know there's, uh. there is this, and it harks back to, you know, the industrial revolution when they, 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 based teaching on maths science and something else because that's what they needed they needed people to build they needed people to develop agriculturally but now children don't really need that i mean yes it is i do want them to know what a verb is and i want them to understand how to structure a sentence but it's not as prevalent as it once was but then when i I talk to these children who are bilingual i'm like how how you're eight you've come to this country you've learned everything in a second language so by that age, you are already more useful than I am. And that, that to me is incredible. And it's, yeah. it just makes you feel so 
it makes you feel good but it also makes you question well am i doing enough can i not can i still learn at this age but yeah they are you know i keep reminding them that they do get into positions of power whether it be politically or uh you know famous to remember me and how nice i was to them <laughs> yeah. but i doubt yeah. they will <laughs> <laughs> well you never know you never know i mean i think we can all you know think back to teachers that had a really positive impact i can certainly think of a few just off the top of my head now um actually i think one of them my english teacher i'm pretty sure mr budge has gotten at least three shout outs on a podcast <laughs> just just well two on here and one on another one i guessed it on just because you know he got me to study jaws and that was amazing but you know it's it's little things like that and there's, there's plenty of others i can think of that you're right they have a such a big impact did you enjoy your school journey yeah yeah absolutely man i mean i i got on quite well i always did i think i did pretty well um at school and like when i was at that age that you're teaching yeah i remember some of the teachers that we had and the ones that i really gravitated towards are the ones that always took a personal interest because um I, I, at that age i think one i can think of the top of my head was actually I was a little bit older but i was in that kind of part of the school uh, was mrs harding um i remember her she was a really lovely lady and she was just really sweet and she'd always yeah. make a point to talk to every single one of us she'd do things like i think i remember i remember this clearly now once a week we used to sit down and and she'd read a book and we'd go through books like michael morpurgo and stuff like that and she'd always make an effort to do voices and, and sort of put you in the scene and that made you interested in reading as a kid because then you'd be like oh brilliant these books are amazing and then my mum bought the set and we continue reading some of the other books at home and it's little things like that that i look back on now and i think yeah that had a real impact and it's so important that you know if she if she never smiled or never bothered to put that effort in i probably wouldn't have become interested in things like that as, yeah. as time goes on so you know i mean we can all think of i think good teachers and bad teachers and i agree with you i think that the worst thing a teacher can do is be absent yeah um, yeah absolutely you know, I've, I've had a few like that in the past that just he feels like they're just running reading a script or you know whatever they just don't care and it's it can put you off a subject um case in point i had an electronics teacher that was just no good and you know to the point where i got a b and don't ask me how because i remember being sat for that exam paper and thinking i am woefully underprepared for this like i have no <laughs> idea what i'm looking at <laughs> and somehow i just blagged it um which is not good advice for any kids listening <laughs> if there are, but, <laughs> but hopefully your teacher will be like ben here and will actually like take the time to sit you down and go what are you not understanding what can i help you with because those are the ones that help you get the a's and stuff like that um, and funny enough I'll, I'll shut up in a second but my english teacher mr budge again the legend that he was helped me get an a in i think in both both sections of english was language and literature yeah um and the one in language I was not expecting. And we talked about it. I remember like two weeks before I took the exam, because I used to just get B's, solid B's all the time. And I was like, yeah, I'm happy with that. And he's like, nah, you can get an A. You know, we that can do belief. That belief. That belief. But honestly, I, I'll never forget, because we found out before coming into the class that like five of us had gotten an A. And um, one of my mates was like, I bet you got one. And I was like, nah. And I just walked into the class and he just looked, he just, I remember he stood up and he pointed at me and went, you and I was like, excuse me <laughs> and it was a really nice moment but um yeah he was an absolute legend and yeah it's, it's stuff like that it, it does stay with you so have faith benny i'm sure that one or one or two of the kids will remember you 
And if they become celebrities or podcasters, you'll get a mention at some point. I hope so. Fine. Or, or you know, a monetary sum would be fine for the, the psychological scars. That <laughs> um, I'm glad you said that about school because, the, you know, there are, there are so many things that I recall. And one of the best things that happened to me was a teacher who I didn't like or respect. Uh, I was taking, uh, so I think back then it was called um, design and tech. So where you build, so, and I'm not, yes. I am not that kind of person. I can't build anything. I'm not. I've always considered myself to be not a proper man because I don't know how to like fix an engine. Um, Benny, but, Benny, can I let you on a secret? Yeah. Can I? That's awesome. That's what YouTube's I? for. That's what <laughs> exactly. YouTube's for. Well, not exactly. for me. We'll get someone else to do it. Um, I'm glad you said that. Um, yeah, I remember this this yeah. teacher, and he was an absolute burke. He turned around to me, <laughs> and I was making, or I thought I was making something helpful. I think it was a pencil holder, but I don't think it was supposed to be a pencil holder. And he... <laughs> And he, he turned around to me and says, you're a bit of a spaz, aren't you? And I was like, what? But, but bear in mind, though, this was, how old am I? This was 22 years ago. So there was, they used to say a lot of things to the children back then. Mm. Um, and I was but like, still. oh, but we, we just, it was just standard. He used to, well, I won't go into anything else. Um, he, yeah, yeah, I was going to say. Called me a spaz. So I was like, okay, fair enough. And I remember oh. leaving the classroom after that and bumping into the food technology teacher who's this tiny Indian woman. And she was like, are you okay, Ben? And I was like, oh, not really. You know, Mr. So-and-so just called me a spaz. So I'll join my class. So I went and did food technology. I was the only boy in the whole year who did it, but I loved it. It was incredible. And it was, it was difficult because all the other boys were building like trowels or chairs <laughs> and I was making cakes, but it was right. amazing. And she was like, she knew that I'd get grief, but the whole process she was just really supportive really helpful and i you know really appreciate that and she never called me a spaz so you know progress that is that's massive pro i mean the yeah. bar is set pretty low but that is <laughs> that's progress yeah no i love that and i think that's that's what teachers should do man they should encourage you to pursue the things that you're interested in yeah you know and then they should sort of ch you know chime in on that a bit again i know it's it's sometimes easier said than done when you've got lots of kids and especially like i know i'm thinking of secondary level as well when you're cycling through different classes like yeah. i understand that but then i suppose like for you so you obviously must you must do parent teacher evenings yeah 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 so i'm assuming yeah. at that point you know before then you must be taking notes of the different kids and you know who's doing what who's progressing you've seen it all so you should have a decent idea then of yeah of how they're getting on so while we're on that subject what do you make of parent-teacher evenings? I'm very curious. I've never had a teacher's perspective on this before. Um, I I really enjoy them. And I don't know where that's because I've had very, um, I've not had very good jobs before and I love this job. Um, I do like them because once you speak to a parent or a carer, it gives you such a more rounded idea of what a child is about. And I, I know, and I'm be really honest now, there is about 2% of all the parents that I've met that I would, probably set on fire um <laughs> but the rest of them that i've had interactions with are golden and they're trying their hardest and i'm not a parent so i can't empathize nor sympathize they're doing a good job and when you speak to them and they say stuff like oh so and so is really upset because they don't understand their times tables and you're like oh okay and sometimes you'll end up with pages and pages and pages of information but all that does is give you such a clear idea of what you're dealing with that child and on the flip side of that 
and I won't dedicate much time to it, but on the negative side of it, there are some parents who have this misunderstanding of my role. Where they think I should be this all singing, all dancing, teacher, carer, social worker, you know, everything. Yeah. That's only, that's a very, very small percentage. I'm glad to say most of the parents I've had dealings with are absolute heroes. They really yes. are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's absolutely true. You're right. I mean, even those as a younger kid, you, you sort of sense that. Um, yeah. Some, some kids are kind of thrown into the classes. Well, you'll be here and you won't bother me for yeah. six hours of a day, which I, I agree with you. I'm not going to go too much into that because that's, that's a whole other issue. Um, but I think it's it's nice to hear that you you have that relationship because, yeah, I think that can be that can be something I, I imagine for a parent. It can either be really daunting, or it can be all right. It depends. It depends on what your kids like. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my point of view, I loved them. They were great because I said I got on quite well in school. So yeah. for me, it was just it was just sitting there and being told, "Yeah, he's doing fine." I'm like sweet. <laughs> <laughs> but I know for other kids, like you know, the one or two kids that would cause a bit of a ruckus at every class and you'd, and you'd be sat there just watching them and watching them squirm as the teacher would be like you know rubbing their hands together going, oh, getting yes. their notebook so out get, yeah exactly yeah now on yeah 2 p.m on march 14th you did this yeah <laughs> you know and you think good luck but do you ever get that sometimes then with like are there any kids that you're like oh i cannot wait to sit down with or you just kind of like whatever who cares yeah i there are, I, thankfully i've not been in a situation where a child has done something that I consider to be serious enough to warrant it being brought up in a parent's uh, evening. There have been things that I'm concerned about, um, certainly, but then I, I, some of my colleagues will note down things like, oh, you know, on the Monday, they looked at me funny on the Tuesday, they, they didn't complete the work. And I just think in the grand scheme of things, a parent wants to know three things. Is the child happy? Is the child progressing? And are they behaving? Now behaviors, um, again a broad subject but what i deem to be bad behavior they probably perceive to be you know acceptable now i just think that you should or i don't mean to go into the like the, the heavy details of it but when you're talking to a parent i would normally spend nine minutes nine and a half minutes telling them all the awesome things and then in the last 30 seconds i'll go and the only thing i'm concerned about is a b and c or you know they you know they could just read a bit more or you know don't bring guns into school, that kind of thing. That's a joke. <laughs> yeah. That's a joke. Um, but yeah, it's he's, it's he's failing the class. But, you know, <laughs> nice, nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, I've not I've not had to worry about. I mean, I've had some awkward conversations during term time where something has happened or I'm concerned about something. Thankfully, I don't. This is something that I'd really like to learn more about. I don't know whether it's because of my gender. I don't know whether people, parents in particular, react to me differently because I'm a male teacher. Now I've se I've seen how some parents react to female teachers, and I just think, you know, that's unacceptable. And I don't. I think how, how so? If you don't mind me asking. Um. Well, I've been in situations where I've I've had to step in and say to a parent, you know, you you, should, you can't talk to her like that, regardless of your opinion on her professional uh, status. She's a, a human, um, and sometimes a parents if they see a young female, and, I, and I'm not just saying it's the the the, the dads you know some moms can be like it as well they, they they tend to try and bully them or speak down to them i've seen it happen so many times and thankfully I, you know i work with some really bloody-minded teachers who refuse to be spoken to like that but unfortunately i also know some really young young teachers 
who have been spoken to in such a disgusting way that if someone spoke to me like that, it'd be a very short conversation. Yeah. yeah. But it, I think well, that's, that's fair enough. I think gender has a lot to do with that, unfortunately. Yeah, no, you're right. That's that's still an issue, I think, sadly, across many professions. And, yeah. Um, yeah, that is sad to hear, but I, I hope that's a lot less frequent as oh, it yeah. goes on for you. But, it is. So, so from your perspective, then, as a bloke, is now... I'm, I was actually curious about this. And I was thinking today, like, do we even bring this up? Because it's a little bit dark, but I feel like it's it's worth discussing. Is Do you think that has a lot to do with perhaps fear that's put into parents? Um, possibly. I um, I've been told I'm quite imposing, which I don't need, I don't tend I don't intend to be that way. Uh, I've always just considered myself to be quite um, moody. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I think it can be misconstrued. But I do, yeah, I think there might be a a, a level of that to it. And which is unfortunate because, you know, there's no real reason for them to be fearful. I suppose my surname doesn't help. My surname doesn't help at all. <laughs> I mean, when they hear it, they just, they think it's a joke. Um, but, yeah. But no, I think there is, a, I think there is an element there, which is, it's, un, it's unfortunate. And I wish there wasn't, but yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, because it's, it's something that, I mean, I find that being, just being, I mean, I'm, I'm not a teacher, but just as a as a male, I sometimes, as an adult male, I sometimes feel uncomfortable around children. Oh. And, you know, yeah. I'm just, and like, that's, yeah, that side of things as well, I think is, it's, it's really, unf- I was talking to a friend of mine about it the other day, and it's like, we're even to a point where if you're in a supermarket and you see a kid crying, you're almost like, do I do something do i go and like your first instinct is to go and be like hey are you okay? yeah, yeah get on their level and say you know where's your mum? let's let's find the help desk but you almost feel like awkward doing that because you're like well i'm a man and if i approach this child if the people gonna say something and I, I did crowd control um volunteering at an event years and years ago and we were all given that advice like if you see a kid you need to grab a, a woman which yeah. is like which makes you feel even weirder you've got to go yeah. to a complete strange woman and be like hi can you help me assist <laughs> this child <laughs> And it's like, does, is that not worse? But that's what you have to do yeah. because it puts people's minds at ease. Now, I'm assuming as a teacher, you're given a, an awful amount of trust. But do you ever come up against anything like that? Or any sort yeah. of yeah. parents being really funny around you and you're thinking, hang on a minute. Like, yeah, <laughs> what's going on here? I, I am so glad you brought that up. As a, a white male, there's very little you can do to upset me or offend me. Um, <laughs> I am. Yeah, we, we have an easy ride. We'll say we, that. We really do. Um, yeah. <laughs> there are very very few things I have to worry about and one of the things that has always come up and it has come up since I would say since I was about 28, 29 is my um, my reasons for being in education now sometimes people will just be very coarse about it and they'll come straight out and they'll like, oh, you know, they'll question my sexuality or my intentions sometimes they're a little bit more um, guarded than that for example I I, I've been uh, CRB checked more than anyone that I know, but I, but I, but it's just a case of when you go to a new school. Sometimes it do, sometimes they don't. It just depends. But I found out that I've been CRB checked seven times in the last six years, which is ridiculous. Um, but I put that down to the fact that we move around a lot because of my uh, wife's job. But on the other hand, there are times when people have said stuff to me, like um, a, a good example when we go swimming. Uh, some. Sometimes a, a staff shortages and I, I'd had to go in the girls' changing room. Now, for me, 
it's it's no different than me standing in the boy. It's like making well, actually, it's easier because the girls just chat and get changed. The boys are swinging from the lights and trying to escape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Starting a revolution, so it's easier for me. Yeah. The first time it happened, and this was at a previous school, I walked up to the girls' changing rooms and a TA stopped me. So you can't go in there. But we'll have to because there's no adult in there. Oh, you can't go in there. You're a bloke. I said, yeah, but there's a female in the males changing rooms. I don't see what the problem is. And then I got really, really um, offended then, which is a very hard thing to do. And I want to know the reasons for it. And in the back of their mind, and it is something that unfortunately is quite dominant in society. It's the, they can't get past the psyche of, oh, you're a bloke. Girls of a certain age in certain environments. It's a bit, I'm like, you, you have to get past that or else this will always this always dominate our thinking and it, it shouldn't and there's no there's no issue with a for example i was asked to leave a classroom while girls were getting changed for a rounders club that i was taking and i said i refused and then and afterwards when i was spoken to when i explained my reasons for refusal they were like okay but these girls are you know getting changed and i just i, I kept repeating myself and i said the more you do this the more you perpetuate the idea that there's something nefarious about me being in the classroom yeah i mean i suppose because kids pick up on stuff like that don't yeah they? and it's like if you're it's one thing that i think it's it's i think it's a typical thing we see in our culture and society in general is this overcorrection. yeah you know yeah. Where like yeah people have made horrendous mistakes in the past um and so yeah crb you know checks fine yeah whatever do what you have to do you know but then it gets to a point where like you say if, if you're trying to do your job and you're being hindered. And then I imagine that can be quite off-putting as well for perhaps other guys who yeah. think, you know, I want to be a teacher, but if they feel like they're going to be constantly scrutinized or, you know, looked at funny, so oh, why do you want to teach kids? It's like, because I care. Yeah. Because, you know, I think it's a rewarding job. It's, yeah, I think that level of mistrust is, is it's just, it's too much. I think. It, it yeah. is. And, and you alluded to it earlier on, basic human kindness isn't, gender specific or race specific like you mentioned that you know if you saw a child that was upset or distressed your initial reaction would be you know i want to make sure that child's okay but in the back of your mind you'd think no because someone looks over and sees an adult male and a crying child they don't think guardian and child and it's you know we've all been i think we're all we've all made mistakes before and judgments but this one is something that i think because it affects me <laughs> because yeah, yeah. it affects me directly I'm, I'm getting i get quite irate about it and yeah i just yeah. Think that, and i know it's there's reasons for it and i totally understand that societal pressures and that like you've said as well mistakes that people have made but i think if a child went home and said that mr slaughter had to leave a class today while we're getting changed that would strike more alarm than anything else oh yeah yeah exactly exactly right that's gonna ring alarm bells and cause more issues than than you know anything else in the world but you know i don't want to dwell on the negative but yeah. i just think it was it's an interesting point to consider because i think with all things you've, you've got to look at the big picture yeah but i'm glad i am genuinely glad that things like that don't put you off from doing your job oh, no. and sort of give you an you're happy just to kind of work through it that's awesome i think if, uh that i'm assuming we'll stay in touch after this and you'll get to know me and you'll understand yes. you'll understand a few things about me, Harley. I yeah. I love arguing, and I'm <laughs> always wrong. <laughs> and and being wrong and liking arguing is, is it's a bad combination. So if someone puts me in a situation where I feel like I need to argue, then I'll happily do it. 
but it's I'm never right. <laughs> Apart from this this thing that I think I'm right about, which is you know to treat everyone the same. Well, yeah, I think we can all get on board with that. But, yeah. Um, no, I I think that's amazing. Uh, what you've just said. <laughs> I'm assuming you don't get into too many arguments with the eight year olds, or you try not to. Oh, you'd be surprised. Or do you do you just crush them? No, like... no, they they are these are ferocious <laughs> warriors. They one of them had was grilling me about uh, my accent. I'm from Birmingham originally, and I do try to hide it. Uh, <laughs> sometimes it will creep out. Now I said the word. I'm going to try and say it properly now. Tortoise, tortoise. <laughs> All right, so I was saying tortoise because I'm from Birmingham, so I'm going tortoise, tortoise. And one of the more astute children in the class said, "Are you having a breakdown?" I said, "No." <laughs> I'm talking about this creature that's on the board, and they said tortoise. I was like, "No, it's a tortoise." So the whole class started going tortoise. Tortoise. So that I uh, just felt like quitting them, but they—they—they've got a good sense of humour. <laughs> they really have. Yeah, I—I I think that's that's probably quite important, isn't it? Is not to take yourself too seriously in the job. No. And if I—I I think with kids, like I remember, particularly substitute teachers in classrooms, like if you showed weakness or fear, <sighs> that was it. You were done. Like yeah. you've lost that class. So yeah, if you can laugh at yourself, like the teachers I loved, if they could just take a joke or they fire a little quip back at you or something it was you know you'd enjoy the banter and you'd be like okay this is a safe space Whereas if they <laughs> sort of if they freeze like that's it you're done yeah you've yeah. lost us for the year <laughs> <laughs> i get my own back though because i spend the whole day breaking wind in the classroom and blaming it on all the children so it's a, I'm, I'm winning every day i'm winning is that a secret weapon then for yeah, teachers to absolutely yeah. <laughs> absolutely brilliant i love that <laughs> i've just ruined all of the good things i've just said by that simple sentence <laughs> yeah people listening are telling you oh he seems very balanced oh never mind he he farts around children <laughs> and blames it on <laughs> oh dear <laughs> i'll tell you what you've asked some superb questions that i've really really enjoyed Thank talking you. about this I, i'm i'm glad you have um I was I was really nervous. I, it's it's something that's really important to me. But I, I was just you know you, you don't want to you want to come across well. But I also I don't want to upset people with my own opinions on something which is quite close oh. to a lot of people's hearts. Well, the way I look at it, right, is when I do want to do this show is it gives people an idea of why people, somebody loves a certain subject. But of course, that person's opinions are entirely their own. Yeah, you know. So if you if you're out there listening and you you have a different viewpoint that's fine you know you're, you're entitled to that no one's saying it's not so and no i've loved this i've loved this conversation it's, it's fascinating to me all of this i think it's something that like you said given the current climate that we're in at the minute there's a lot of discussion around education and around the yeah. importance of teachers so i think it's great to hear from somebody who loves what they do and is clearly passionate about it and believes in it and yeah, you have nothing to be nervous about <laughs> it's, it's, it's absolutely awesome um, if anything, I'm the one that's nervous sometimes like doing these conversations of like, is this going to trail off or am I, you know, <laughs> have I lost something? But actually, no, it's great. It's been really um, enjoyable. Yeah, really I'd love enjoyable. to know. Is there anything else about this subject you'd love to, to bring out? Um, I suppose, I think the only thing that I would mention, only because of what's going on, is that the, there's been a tendency recently to demonize teachers in regards to lockdown and online learning and et cetera, et cetera. We have to accept that this is a, a really unique situation we're in. 
pandemic and lockdown number four, five, six, whatever it might be. Um, and you have to understand that 99.9% of teachers are trying to do their very, very best, just like in any profession. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but they're put in a situation where we they've been demonized a little bit by not just news, but politicians shifting the blame. Um, and I don't know what it's like to homeschool one children, three, four or five. I can imagine it's really stressful, but I'd really like, I'd really like people just to take a step back and just, you know, appreciate that most teachers are trying their hardest to provide you know, online learning. It might not always work and it, it might be an absolute nightmare for some, but we're, we're trying our best. We really are. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more with that, mate. I mean, the recent announcements when like you say it all switched around, so it happened so fast. Um, and yeah, I've sort of, my, my first thought was parents and teachers. I thought Flip, that's going to be, wow. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot to process. A lot to, I, you know. I agree and I felt so bad for the parents because you imagine nine o'clock your children are probably in bed if they're primary age yeah yeah the morning waking up and then no saying, school no school yeah. and then maybe not being able to go to work and there's so much stress going on and I just think it's important not to turn on each other and I don't just mean teachers or parents or kids just let's not turn on each other and let's just remember that it's a unique situation we're all we're all fredders we're all under a lot of pressure everyone so we just be kind to each other absolutely and that's a lovely sentiment to kind of to end it on and of course this will pass um, it will it does and it when it does you know when, when we see the back of it yeah schools teaching it's, it's going to be it's such a valuable commodity so thank you for sharing your thoughts on it I, i've loved it thank you so much for having me and listening and asking some absolutely ace questions i've really really thank enjoyed you. it Thank you. This is very loosely improvised, so I'm glad. Good <laughs> questions. Um, it's awesome. And, Thank you. And of and of course, with having you know uh, Mark, Ben, and Gemma on, I couldn't leave out Ben. That just that would be wrong. You're too kind. Wrong. You're Although I've noticed kind. they've they've at the time of recording have just posted that they they seem to be doing a little reunion, and I noticed a fourth screen was missing. I was. I was sort of very outraged, but now I'm making. I I've tried. I've got legal representatives involved. I want to be on the yeah. team, but apparently there's just not enough room for two jaws loving beardies. Oh dear. Well, we'll have to, we'll have to fix that. But no, it's really cool. So for anyone who doesn't know or is listening, it looks like skips the end. Maybe making a return soon, which is really cool. I'm well, really really happy for those guys. Yeah. Well overdue, and I think it will well be a huge celebration when that episode drops. I know, I know. Yeah, that's awesome. But um, so yeah, so more importantly, Benny, where can the good people find you? They can find me on Twitter at Blamethrower83. I've also got a podcast, which I do with my wife, called on Twitter, it's at Sense Numbers, but it's Sensing Numbers Podcast, uh, which is a podcast to, uh, to discuss mental health illnesses and support. Um, and don't wow. don't look up for me on Facebook. I am on there, but I don't go on there because it's the devil. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> I didn't know about that that podcast. That that sounds incredible. I'll have to go and check that out. It's it's not easy listening, <laughs> but it's it's no. But we're trying to I help. Think, yeah, I think those those conversations are extremely important. So yes, I will definitely be um, putting some links into that. Thank you very you. much, sir. Thank you. No worries. Um, in that case. Benny, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me, Harley. It's been fantastic. And there we have it. Another fantastic conversation with another fantastic guest. Thank you so much to Benny for coming on to the show and talking to me about teaching. 
I really hope you guys at home enjoyed that just as much as I did. I thought it was wonderful. There was so much insight and passion and just all the good stuff we look for here at Fundamentals. And if you want to hear more from Benny, then by all means, check out the links in the description of this podcast, including his most recent appearance on Skip to the End, their lockdown special, which he kept under wraps on this episode. But I'll forgive him because, well, it's Benny. Also, the Sense in Numbers podcast. I have since listened to it. He's right and is not easy listening, but it shouldn't be really. When it comes to mental health, we need to have very open, candid and raw discussions. And that's exactly what he and Gemma do on that podcast. So obviously approach at your own discretion, but it's well worth checking out. And lastly, if you are enjoying this podcast, then by all means, come and find me on Twitter and Instagram. Both handles are at FundamentalsPod. If you'd like to leave a review, five stars preferably, in your favourite app of podcasting, listening, if that makes sense. Yeah, please do so. I mean, that sentence alone is worth five stars, right? Anyway, that's enough from me. I'll be back again in a couple weeks' time with a completely different guest on a completely different subject. So, until then, stay tuned and stay safe.